instituted special operations against terrorists. It will carry a crew of 360 sailors and 700 combat-ready Marines to be delivered ashore by helicopter and assault craft. <clears throat> a paint foreman named Glenn Clement said this, It would be fitting if one of the first missions this ship would go on is to make sure that bin Laden is taken out. His terrorist organization is taken out. He came in through the back door and knocked our towers down, and this ship is coming right through the front door, and we want them to know that. Steel from the World Trade Center was melted down in a foundry in Louisiana. And I'm, I don't know how to pronounce it. A-M-I-T-E. A meat. A meat, Louisiana. There you go. I checked with my resident Louisiana person. <clears throat> a meat. I was going to say a mite, but then that's because I'm from Texas. A meat, Louisiana? A met? Well, see, she's... She's on the southern side and you're on the northern side. All right. We're... <laughs> Nevertheless, the ship's bows were made right here in this town in Louisiana. And it was poured into its molds on September the 9th, 2003. These, uh, the ship's bows, those sections were. And the big old rough steel workers treated these pieces of steel with total reverence. In fact, a Navy captain, Kevin Winsig, who was there, said it was a spiritual moment for everybody. Junior Chavers, he was the foundry operations manager, said that when the Trade Center steel first arrived, he touched it, and I quote, the hair on my neck stood up. It had a big meaning to, to, uh, to it for all of us, he said. They knocked us down. They can't keep us down. We're going to be back. The motto of the ship, never forget. I'm not a beer drinking person, but I'll tell you what, they make some of the best commercials in the world. And um, we must never forget ourselves. We should, we should never forget. Some take the motto, never forget, to mean they should hold a grudge. But I want us to focus our thoughts on if we forget our past of what has happened then it's very likely that history, well, not very likely, it will repeat itself. We must never, ever forget. Ever. 
I for one never want to forget the blood that has been shed so that I can enjoy the freedoms that I enjoy now. I never want to forget those who have lost sons and daughters and husbands and mothers and fathers for the freedom in which we enjoy this morning. You may say, well, what freedom is that, Pastor? Well, how about the freedom of religion? The freedom to worship how we want and to worship whatever God we feel we need to worship. Our flag stands for the freedom that we enjoy today. Our flag stands for those who have given their lives to sacrifice so that you can stand and say you disagree with that flag. Not only does the American flag stand for the freedom as a country, but then the Christian flag stands for the freedom we enjoy as Christians. The Christian flag is the only free flag in the world. It's different from every other flag, religious or secular, ancient or modern. It's uncontrolled, independent, and universal. Unlike all national flags and all denominational flags of various churches, it has no earthly bonds or allegiances. Mark, if I could lean on you to bring that flag kind of down where we could see it a little better, and, and then uh, I'm going to have you stretch it out for me too, as though it were flying in the wind. Without limitation, it exists for all the world's people. It has no bonds, allegiances. Christ and Christ alone is its master. It exists for the world's people regardless of sex, race, national boundary, economic condition, affluence or poverty, politics, slavery or freedom. It cannot be restricted by any nation or denomination. That flag, this flag, is unique. Universal in quality makes it like the air we breathe, belonging to all and yet owned by none. And for those who want it, wherever and whenever, it is freely theirs. Now the Christian flag is one of the oldest unchanged flags in the world. It was conceived at Brighton Chapel, Coney Island, New York, Sunday, September 26, 1897. And was presented in its present form the following Sunday by its originator. And on that day the Christian flag was born. Now, as you look at the flag, the white uh, on the flag represents purity and peace. The blue stands for faithfulness, truth, and sincerity. Red, of course, is the color of sacrifice. It is, it, it, it is this case that I want you to call to mind the blood shed by Christ on Calvary, represented by the cross in red. The first place of the Christian flag was written by a Methodist pastor, Larry Harold Huff, in 1908, and that pledge read like this, and I quote, I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands, one brotherhood uniting all mankind in service and love. Thank you, Mark. Just leave that right there as a good spot. Oh, okay, I'm sorry, don't have the stand, so we'll take it back. Very good. <clears throat> We fly under that banner, don't we? Yes, we do. I'll, I'll wait for you to say amen. We fly under that banner. Amen. That's it. God encouraged the Israelites to remember. 
He encourages them in Exodus chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there. Exodus chapter 12. We're going to be looking at the first 14 verses. Because God wanted them to remember. In these verses, we will find items that God wanted them to use as they were to remember the Passover. They did this every year, remembering that great work that God did in them and through them as they left Egypt. And as the story is told in Exodus 12, God is freeing Israel from slavery in Egypt. The tenth plague is about to fall on the land, and that plague was the one that the, the firstborn would die of each household. But God provided a way of protection for His people. He tells them to sacrifice a lamb, Put the blood of the Lamb on the top and side posts of the door. Then He promises in Exodus 12 and verse 13, When I see the blood, I will do what? What does your Bible say? In verse 13, Pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Now, there was one essential distinction that faithful night between the Israelites and the Egyptians. And that essential distinction was the blood that was applied by faith in obedience to God's instruction that made all the difference. God didn't say, I'll review your works and decide whether you deserve protection or not. Because if He had done that, all of Israel would be in deep trouble. It's really an awesome demonstration of God's grace. God Himself provided the way of salvation. All they had to do was to take Him at His word and do exactly what He told them to do. And the blood applied to the doorposts was that essential difference. But of course, we know that the blood of those lambs was only a foreshadowing of the blood that would provide eternal protection for all of us. A lamb was sacrificed for each household of Israelites and its blood applied to the doorpost so the death angel would pass over their house. When the firstborn of the Egyptians would die. God instructed Moses to make the anniversary of this miracle a memorial day. God wanted them to remember some things. Memorial day started many years ago and there are two main versions of how it got started. In April of 1863 in Columbus, Mississippi, after decorating the graves of her two sons who were served, uh, who had served during the Civil War as Confederate soldiers, an elderly woman also decorated two mounds at the corner of the cemetery. An observer asked her, what are you doing? Those are the graves of two Union soldiers. And her reply was, I know, but I also know that somewhere in the north, a mother or a young wife mourns for them as we do ours. This lady and a few others set into motion what became known as Memorial Day. The custom of placing flowers on the graves of the war began in, on March the 5th, 1866 in Waterloo, New York. And, the water, and Waterloo has been recognized by Congress as the official birthplace of Memorial Day. In 1868, General John A. Logan, then President of the Grand Army of the Republic, declared that May 30 would be the day to decorate with flowers the graves of comrades who died in defense of their country 
during the late rebellion. After World War I, the day was set aside to honor all the American wars, and the custom was extended to pay homage to deceased relatives and friends, both military and civilian. But I want us to focus our Memorial Day thoughts in Exodus 12. And I want us to notice three things from these passages in Exodus 12. First thing I want you to see is the provision of the sacrifice. Pick it up with me in verse 3. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they, uh, they can eat. In verse 5, the animal shall you select must be one year old, uh, a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat, with no defects. So the lamb was supposed to be without blemish and within the first year of birth. In Hebrews 9.14 it says, Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. So without spot, without fault. 1 Peter 1.19 tells us it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God who created that perfection for us. You and I live in sin. You and I have a difficulty saying no to sin. But our Savior was able to be sinless. And because of that, and because of the way He was, you and I had hope through His death, through His sacrifice. The provision that we made for us all, that blood of Jesus Christ, shed for us all, sacrificed without blemish, without spot, how much better is it than the Old Testament sacrifice? The blood of Jesus is a one time for all. It was the perfect sacrifice. Providing where we each can only hope to have and hope to accomplish, but find true life in Christ. Now in Exodus 12 and verse 6, it says, Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of this first month. And then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. The sacrifice had been provided for us so that we can have spiritual freedom. There have been thousands of men who've paid that ultimate sacrifice so we can have freedom in our country today. We have the promise of protection of that sacrifice. So God made a provision. Secondly, then, I want you to see that He made a promise through this sacrifice. Pick it up at verse 7 of Exodus 12. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animals. Now jump down to verse 13. Let's look at that one again. But the blood on the doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. With the blood on the doorpost, they had been promised that their house would be spared. And the promise is for you and me, the application for you and me, is that when we, the blood of Jesus, is applied to our lives, that we can rest assured that we're not going to have death. We do not need to fear death. We can be looking forward and to eternal home, our eternal home in heaven. 
I need to back up and say, we will die. Everybody will. But if you have the blood of Jesus in you, you've got a future. <laughs> you've got an eternal future. Okay? Now, I guess the bigger question is, do you have the blood applied on the doorway of your heart? Are you covered by that blood today? Can you say if the death angel comes to visit your house this very day that you're going to be okay? You have everything clear between yourself and the Savior. That's the best question to ask anybody who's struggling and near death. Ask them, do you have everything in order with you and the Lord? That's all you've got to ask them. They'll know. Satan is quick to bring doubt. Satan is quick to bring, oh boy, you can't make it. Look at all the stuff you used to do. Heavy emphasis on used to. <laughs> He'll always remind us of our past. Never forget this. Every saint has a past. Every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past. Every sinner has a future. Amen? And if you don't know what your future is, man, I'd sure love to sit down and visit with you. The sacrifice has been provided for us. We have the promise of what that sacrifice did for them and will do for us. So we should never forget the saving of the sacrifice. We should build a memorial to remember the sacrifice of our Lamb. In fact, we have one right here. Every Sunday when we take communion, it's a time for you to remember the sacrifice. Don't forget it. Don't take it lightly and don't think it's mundane and don't think, well, we do it too often. You can't do it enough. You can never do this enough. The part of remembering what He did for you. So we have the provision, we have the promise, and then thirdly, we need to properly remember that sacrifice. And verse 14 of Exodus 12, it says, This is a day to remember. Each year from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. A memorial to keep a remembrance of the justice and mercy of God. In chapter 13 and verse 3, Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. Moses told the people to recall, remember your days of bondage. So we should remember our days before we found spiritual freedom. Never forget from whence you have come and the great blessing that God has placed in you to this very day. It's healthy to look back and go, Whoa, I don't want to go there. I like where I'm at. Amen. This Memorial Weekend, don't make me work this hard. Let's all set up a memorial to remember. And I don't know what that memorial will be for you. 
It could be a cross. It could be a communion table. It could be the fact that you take communion. I don't know what it is for you, but set up a memorial in your heart that makes you never forget that sacrifice of our unblemished lamb. And let that drive you to remember so that you never, ever forget what God brought to you. Paul Harvey was one of my favorite radio people. He could tell stories like no one else. I'm going to attempt to tell a story that Paul Harvey penned, and it was, it's an awesome story. It goes like this. It was gratitude that prompted an old man to visit an old broken pier on the eastern seacoast of Florida. Every Friday night until his death in 1973, he would return, walking slowly and slightly stooped with a large bucket of shrimp. The seagulls would flock to this old man and he would feed them from his bucket. Many years before, in October of 1942, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker was on a mission in a B-17 to deliver an important message to General Douglas MacArthur in New Guinea. Somewhere over the South Pacific, the Flying Fortress became lost beyond the reach of radio. Fuel ran dangerously low, so the men ditched their plane in the ocean. And for nearly a month, Captain Eddie and his companions would fight the water, weather, and the scorching sun. They spent many sleepless nights recoiling as giant sharks rammed their rafts. But of all their enemies at sea, one proved most formidable starvation. Eight days out, their rations were long gone or destroyed by the salt water. It would take a miracle to sustain them. And a miracle occurred. Something landed on my head. I knew it was a seagull. I don't know how I knew. I just knew. Everyone else knew too. No one said a word, but peering out from under my hat, brim without moving my head, I could see the expression on their faces. They were star staring at that gull. That gull meant food. If I could catch it. And the rest, as they say, is history. Captain Eddie caught the gull. Its flesh was eaten. Its intestines used for bait to catch fish. The survivors were sustained and their hopes renewed because a lone seagull, uncharacteristically, hundreds of miles from land, offered itself as a sacrifice. He never forgot. Because every Friday evening about sunset on a lonely stretch along the eastern Florida seacoast, you could see an old man walking, white-haired, bushy-eyebrowed, slightly bent. His bucket was filled with shrimp to feed the gulls. To remember that one which on a day long past gave itself without a struggle. And just as Eddie Rickenbacker never forgot all forgot the goal that gave its life we should never forget the soldiers of our country who gave up their lives Eddie got a second chance at life and because many brave men and women have died in the armed services fighting for our country's freedom we too have a chance to, uh, to, to live and to live a life of freedom both freedom and life never come without a price 
the blood of many fine soldiers paid for the freedom that we have today can be enjoyed by us. That freedom. And it's the same as that blood of that tiny lamb of the Passover that paid for the lives of hundreds of thousands of Israelites. A price has to be paid for freedom in life, and that price is the death of another. Someone or something has to die in order that we might live. Our country soldiers died that we might have a life of freedom. And Jesus died that we might have eternal life. The story of the Passover, the blood of a lamb was marked on the doorposts, and this caused the destroyer to pass over the households that were marked giving them life. This represented the cross of Jesus Christ upon which the very Lamb of God would give His own life that we might live forever in God's kingdom. Our soldiers died for our country's freedom. Jesus died for our spiritual freedom. And as Jesus said in John eight thirty six, So if the Son of, uh, of God sets you free, you are truly free. And in John 10, 10, He says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus paid our spiritual freedom and gave us a crown in heaven. And when he died on that cross, our freedom was purchased. Freedom without the shedding of blood. We should never forget our many soldiers who died for our freedom here in America. But more importantly, we we must never forget our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave his own life on a cross that we might have eternal life. I want you to see a video as we close this morning. It's a, to me, it's a merging of these two thoughts. May it touch your heart today.
your amazing amazing grace that causes us to have opportunity opportunity to live opportunity to enjoy freedom as we remember our armed forces and thank you for their sacrifice we would be totally remiss if we didn't thank you for your sacrifice of your son Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins. And so God, we're going to sing just that first verse of amazing grace. And so Lord, would you move in the hearts of your people today? And if they need to reconnect with you, today would be a great day for that. If they need to connect with you for the first time, even better. But God, whatever it is, may we never, ever, ever forget that sacrifice that you made for us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a decision, let's make it as we stand together.
Say.